uh, we're talking about who is God. Uh, many of you are in your rooted groups. H- have you started through those topics yet? The, the who is God? Um, I'm not sure we could ever really answer that question. Uh, it's fine for us to attempt, I, I think. But could God really ever be known? I mean, God. If God's God, that means I'm not God. If God's God, that means God is higher than me. It means he's greater than me. It means he's above me and beyond me in every way. He's God. And so how could an infinite uh, being such as myself truly comprehend the infinite, the limitless God? E- even in Scripture, we're told from the prophet Isaiah, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways or nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's the Old Testament. The New Testament, the Apostle Paul says something similar. He says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He says, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways, they're past finding out. His ways, past finding out. So the fullness of God, his nature, his plans, his designs, exceeds. It just goes way beyond the limits of our human comprehension. Uh, I was, uh, you guys know I'm kind of a science nerd, and I was reading about the Hubble telescope this week. There's a really cool article just talking about they're getting pictures out of that thing they never thought they'd be able to get. It's lasted longer, and um, it's just phenomenal, some of the stuff coming out of the Hubble. But uh, this is an article that I was reading this week, and this is what it says. It says, the latest analysis of Hubble's data reveals there could be more than 2 trillion galaxies. 2 trillion galaxies. So that is 12 zeros, 2 followed by 12 zeros. That's 10 times more than previously thought. Typical galaxies, like our Milky Way, have 100 billion stars. So the total number of stars, you have to take 2 trillion, times it by 1 billion, and that is 2 followed by 23 zeros, which is a big number. It actually has uh, a name. It's called 200 sextillion. So there you go. Impress your friends with that one. The article says, to get some sense of how many stars that is, we talked to Adam Reese, who won a Nobel Prize for his work on Hubble. Adam Reese says, this is more stars, listen to this, this is more stars in the visible universe than grains of sand on the beach. The interviewer goes, on Earth? And Adam Reese goes, on all the beaches on I mean, I, I'm not, after that, I read like 10 articles on that. Couldn't believe it. Again, we believe that there's a God who made all of this infinitely beyond our comprehension. And yet, though He is infinite, as believers in Jesus, we believe He's knowable. We believe He's knowable. We believe. He reveals himself. He revealed himself in the Old Testament. You read the Old Testament. You see these different stories of God revealing himself to his creation, to his people. He reveals himself to Moses. There's a very powerful account in Exodus 33. In verse 12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, Lord, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, Lord, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember this nation. That they are your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. 
Well, if your presence does not go with us, Lord, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, verse 17, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses said, a very bold request, by the way. He says, okay, now show me your glory. Verse 19, the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on who I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock, cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you, Moses, you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. That's an amazing story, right? God revealing himself to Moses. You see that in the Old Testament. You also see it in the New Testament. In the New Testament, God makes himself known, reveals himself through a, a certain person uh, in the New Testament. His name starts with a J. Anyone know who I'm talking about? Good answer, Jeremy. You're hired. It's Jesus. That was a joke. He's already hired. Sometimes we take this for granted, I think. We take Jesus for granted. I think we take for granted the fact that a man, a man who walked on this earth 2,000 years ago, a man, when you saw the man, you said, hey, you're Jesus of Nazareth. But that man, we don't believe he was just a man. Who do we believe he is? We believe, yeah, God has revealed himself because you're actually God. You, Jesus of Nazareth, you are God. That is a crazy claim, by the way. That is a radical claim. We just kind of take it for granted. Oh, yep, yep, of course Jesus is God. The Jewish people, when he said, yeah, I am God, they go, well, we need to kill you. Because you just spoke blasphemy because we know God and we experience the divine presence of God. And there's this place called the Holy of Holies where God and his presence resides. And, and you are not God. In fact, we are going to get rid of you because this is a radical claim. Radical claim. But the Christian faith is founded on this issue. Paul, he says in Colossians, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The book of Hebrews, the author says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And he goes on, he says he is the exact representation of God's being. In John's gospel, this is Jesus. This is beautiful. It's right before he gets killed. He's praying to the Father. He's praying to the Father, by the way, about us. He's praying for us. Uh, uh, he's pleading to the Father. And this is what he says to his Father. He says, no, he doesn't. Never mind. Uh, yes, where am I? Oh, John 14, 9, but this is, that's the wrong place, that's John 17, John 14, uh, different one, he just says, he who has seen me has seen the Father, that's hilarious, and so though God is indescribable, beyond our comprehension, exceeding our imagination, he has made himself known to us, but this is what I wanted to make the point, beyond our comprehension, unknowable, but then he reveals himself, Moses, all those types of things, New Testament, Jesus, but then beyond that, John 17, is that Jesus actually tells us that to know God is eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life is a really cool thing. Most Christians, we don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven. We want to have eternal life. So we say yes to Jesus, eternal life. Jesus tells us that eternal life is actually knowing God. So again, he's incomprehensible, unsearchable, uh, infinite, way beyond us. And then he actually says to know God is to have eternal life. This is, again, praying John chapter 17 to the Lord. He says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. I don't think we always get that as Christians. Because that's what it is. That's eternal life. To know you, Father, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. 
So again, infinitely greater than our comprehension and yet still infinitely knowable to such a point that to know God is to have and receive eternal life. Now, as Christians, when we talk about God, and I hope we do talk about God, when we're talking about God, we're talking about the Trinity. You ever heard the Trinity before, the term Trinity? Who's figured it out yet? Anybody, right? It's a, it's a crazy term. It, it's the truth, but there's a mystery to it. But when you're saying who is God and you're preaching a 30, 40-minute message on who is God, you've got to talk about the Trinity. Because we believe, as that song said, thank you for singing that song, one God, three persons. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is what? Three in one. Essential to our faith, clearly revealed in Scripture, and yet it is just a little tough to figure out. As a kid, I really wanted to figure it out. My brain was always going as a kid. My brain would not turn off. I was always having panic attacks, always freaking out about eternity and existence and the greater things of the world. When I was five, six, seven years old, crying, sobbing, could not, you know, just panic attack after panic attack about the things of existence. And one of those things was God. Who is God? And my father would talk about this trinity. I'm like, okay, well, this trinity, who, which one's God? He goes, well, they all are. I'm like, so Father God? Son God, Holy Spirit God. Oh, so there's three gods? No, Danny, there, there's just one God. <laughs> Father God, Son God, Holy Spirit God. Three gods? No, just one God. Three persons, one God. Well, is the Father God? Well, yeah, of course. Well, is the Son God? Yeah, he's God. Well, is the Holy Spirit God? Yeah, absolutely. You got it. You're doing great. So there's three gods. Nope, just one God. Three persons. Ah! Right? It's the truth, and yet there's a certain mystery to it all. But the Trinity, it really is so important as we understand and try to come to grasp with who God is, to, to his character, to his nature. The reality is the Trinity, it shows us that our God, the God of the universe, the God of the 200 sextillion stars, this God is a relational God. By nature, the heart of God, who he is at the depths of who he is, is the eternal relationship between three persons, a, a relationship. Relationship. I believe it's a relationship that just flows and overflows with life. It's a relationship with everlasting love, of unspeakable joy, of a peace that passes understanding. In the context of the Trinity, you discover this God, His character, His nature, His divine attributes, but you discover who He is all in this context of relationship. And then through Jesus Christ, you and I were invited into that relationship. Invited into that relationship. Did you know that? If you don't remember anything else that I speak to you about today, I hope that you grasp this. I hope you can at least agree with me on this. It's just so vital to our faith that we serve a God who at the core of who he is is a relational God. And through Jesus Christ, he longs, desires, yearns to include you and me into that relationship. If you don't leave here today with the Trinity figured out, don't worry. Join the club. Don't stress out too much about it. Don't let it keep you up at night. You haven't figured it out, I haven't figured it out. But it's actually something humanity's been trying to figure out for the last 2,000 years. Uh, early in the day, back uh, when Christianity first was a thing, uh, most people didn't read. And so how did you learn? You learned through stories. You learned from your teacher. You learned from uh, whoever might be sharing from the Word of God. Unfortunately, when you don't read, if you're talking to me, I just kind of have to believe what you're saying. Because i got to trust you, because I, I can't read. And so he would be saying one thing. And she'd be saying another thing, and she'd be saying another thing, and then, you know, you'd be saying the other thing. And, and so all of a sudden we have all these divisions and factions and, and different disagreements on what it really means to be a Christian. And so uh, the, the, the uh, believers started to come up with these creeds. 
to, to come back and say, this is what we believe. As we search scriptures, we actually read the Bible. This is who we see that God is. And, and they did this with the concept of the Trinity. And they don't try to explain the Trinity, but they pull in all these scriptures to say, this is who God is, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of those creeds is the Nicene Creed. Have you heard of the Nicene Creed? Nicene Creed, this was written way back in 325 A.D. So this is like 1,700 years ago. Again, they don't try to explain the mystery of the Trinity, and yet they just show who God is as he is revealed in Scripture. We actually have it uh, on the screen, and, and let's go ahead and read it together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, our Lord, the giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe one holy Catholic and church, <laughs> I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. When we believe in the Catholic Church, by the way, we're not all Catholics. It's just the idea of the one church of God. We are a part of the bride of Christ. I think that's awesome to be able to share that and, and to read that together and think think about the legacy of that that's been how, how long has that been going on for now that we've been saying that 1700 years amazing that's what we believe one god three persons there's a mystery to it all we don't have it completely figured out can't comprehend it but it is who he is god the father god the son god the holy spirit as you read the bible throughout Jesus' ministry he has this great passion to include us in that relationship look at what jesus says in john chapter 14 he says, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you're going to see me. Because I live, you will live. On that day, you'll realize I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I love the language that Jesus uses. I don't you just see that desire to, to, to get us into a frame of mind where we understand we're a part of something. We're a part of a relationship. He says, because I live, guess what? You're going to live. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and because you are in me, I am in you, and you love me, and the one who loves me is going to be loved by my Father, and the one loved by my Father, I'm going to love. Dun, 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 dun. Do you see the myth? I, I just love that. We got to get that. It's way cooler than we make it out to be. He's invited us into an eternal relationship. And I just want to ask you a question. It's a simple question to be asked, but it's a powerful question and it will influence the rest of your life. 
Are you experiencing this eternal relationship? Are you experiencing this eternal relationship? Are you living an eternal life with God right now? Where your existence on this earth, where you're moving and breathing, are you moving and breathing in an abiding relationship? Where you're in his presence, the divine presence of the Lord, day by day, morning till night. You know, I think sometimes we dumb Christianity down to just kind of a list of multiple choice questions. If you get enough right, you get to go to heaven, right? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you confess your sins? And if you get enough right, you get to go to heaven. Those questions, are they important? Absolutely. Are the answers to those questions important? Phenomenally, yes. But those questions and the answers, they're not so that you can go to heaven. It's not some test to try to make it through the pearly white gates of heaven. Heaven isn't the goal. I think we screw this up royally in the American church. Heaven isn't the goal. God is the goal. I I said this first service. I want to say it again. If God isn't in heaven, then I don't want to be there. Right? If God isn't in heaven, I don't want to be there. Christianity is not some password or magical knock to try to get into heaven. It is actually a very radical and dangerous step of faith where you actually put all of your belief and trust and hope in the blood of Jesus saying it is powerful enough not so that I can go to heaven so that I can once again be in a right relationship with God, an eternal relationship with God. The goal is not heaven. The goal is God to abide in the presence of your maker where I am a created being. If I'm a created being, that means there is a creator. And the goal of Christianity is that I, the created, would once again be dwelling and enjoying the presence of my creator. Listen to how 2 Corinthians talks about it. Uh, Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's a pretty familiar passage, right? You've heard it before. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to each of us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled back to God. God made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. See, God wanted us back. God wanted us back. Those sin and our sin, your sin, my sin, the world's sin, it had separated us from God. Our sin made us enemies of God. We don't understand that, how hostile our sin is toward God. But through Jesus and the blood of Jesus, the Father God has reconciled us back into a relationship that was broken in that garden. We have now been reconciled back into relationship with God. It's better than we understand. It is so much better than we understand. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have, say it with me, we have peace with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. We have peace with God. Just picture for a second what a relationship of peace would look like. We have a lot of examples of relationships and friendships where peace is not maybe the number one attribute of that relationship. But just consider 
relationship of peace, where you walk into that room and you see that other person, and when you see that other person, it's not, it doesn't make you nervous, right? It doesn't get you on edge. It doesn't get you where you're kind of walking on eggshells, worried that you're going to make a mistake, worried you just say or do or even look the wrong way, they're going to snap. But no, 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 no. This is a peace relationship. This is one that we have as Christians because of Jesus and his death on the cross. We are now at peace with God, no longer enemies, no longer hostile toward him. We are now at peace because of Jesus. We can abide in the presence of God in peace. A few weeks ago, I was preaching on abiding in the presence of God, and I, I showed you from Philippians 4. There's this great passage in Philippians 4 where the Apostle Paul talks about peace. And in that passage, he tells us that the Lord is near. Think about your faith with the Lord. Is your faith one that says that my Lord is near? Is that your experience in Christianity? Well, he says the Lord is near. He says his peace is with us. He says it's a peace that is beyond comprehension. He says it's a peace that passes understanding. He says it's his peace that is actually so near and so close to us that it is actively guarding us. It's, he says it's guarding our hearts. He says it's guarding our minds, all in Christ Jesus. And he says the God of peace is with us. That's what we have as Christians we have a relationship of peace. We have a relationship of love. We have this love that's so amazing. In 1 John, he says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loves us. It's this relationship, and as we follow him and spend time with him, we remain in that love. It's a tremendous love that he has for us. I implore you as your pastor to embrace that relationship. Embrace what the Lord has done for you, but also walk in the benefits of what he has done for you. So many people just still holding on to, well, I said yes to him in 1956 or whatever that day was. But instead that you would right now embrace today the peace and the love and the joy that belonging to Jesus and saying yes to Jesus, receiving Jesus, it doesn't just get you a pass so you don't go to hell, but you get to go to heaven when you die. No, because of Jesus, we're right now invited into an eternal life in his presence that even now we're in his presence. Do you believe that at 1201 that we're in the presence of God? That's a great question to ask. Do you believe that the Lord is here? By the way, all that music, we are fools of all fools if the presence of God is not here and we're just aimlessly kind of singing these songs. What a waste of time. And yet God's presence is here. Part of maturing in Christ, and, and we're all hopefully maturing in Christ, it's a journey, it's a process. None of us have arrived yet, right? I'm looking, I haven't seen the Pope yet, so we're all kind of on the journey. But on the journey, I, I'm just telling you, part of maturing in Christ is learning how to lean into that presence. You know what I mean? Where, where we really, just more, uh, more thought, more where our eyes think about it, our ears think about it, our, our just lives, our morning to night, day-to-day -day lives, just begin to uh, think of things, think of our life, go through the motions, really from the place of his presence right so anything we say anything we do it just flows out of his presence it, it would originate right just think about when you wake up that anything i do it would originate from this just abiding presence of his love of his peace of his joy of his acceptance right that he's pleased with me that he loves me that he cares for me and just out of that place through that intimate fellowship with the lord that i would begin to live my life Learning how to live from that abiding relationship with God, it, it is vital to living the life that God has called you to live. 
you will be the most miserable Christian. Maybe one of the most miserable people on the face of this earth if you try to be a Christian without having your life flowing from the presence of God and His love, His joy, and His peace. Case in point is we're coming into the fall season, right? Summer is over. That means 90 degree days are over. Some of you think that's the worst news in the world. Some of you are like, about time, praise the Lord. A lot of that probably has to do with whether you have air conditioning or not in your house. But for some of us, we're kind of happy about that. Some of you crazy people, you, you actually like the rain. Anybody here like the rain? Crazy people. I, I'm kind of with you um, for a day. <laughs> or two, maybe, maybe two days. But I'm not sure I enjoy the gray, dreary, drizzling, long stretch of October. Let's say uh, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? That, have you, have, we've had some of those seasons where you're like, that's right, there is a mountain. <laughs> right? But fall, like many of you guys like fall. Some people, fall is the worst. It really is because there's this turn in weather, and the turn in weather, it affects the pressure of the atmosphere. And, and for some of you with chronic pain, going into the fall is just terrible, right? And it, it just the incredible ache of fall and, and your joints, your muscles, just the body aches that come with this season. It's just terrible, and, and you hurt. For many people, it's not that physical hurt. It's more mental, right? Psychologically, it can just wear on you. For many people, it's just rainy and cloudy and, he- and day after day, dreary and gray and overcast. And it can be hard. It can be intense. And yet, guess what? You can't change it. It is what it is. I guess you could move. But it is what it is. Now, I don't know about you. Every once in a while, I get a little comfort to be like, yeah, but one day I'm going to heaven. You ever been there, right? But praise the Lord. <laughs> I might be endure, you know, suffering for a little bit, but I get to go to heaven. And there really is a hope associated with, with heaven. I get that. There's an encouragement. I'm often encouraged by the, the fact that one day I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior forever and ever. Hallelujah. But I think even more encouraging than that would be knowing and experiencing the presence of God helping us walk through this season. Knowing that God isn't somewhere out there just waiting for us to get to him. That right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to move in your life. Right now, God is here desiring to help you in your time of need right now. Sadly, many people will never get to this place in their life. But God wants that for you right now. Listen to what Scripture says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our trouble, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Does that sound like a thing where you're just waiting to get to heaven someday? Or does that more sound like in all of your troubles, there is a God of all comfort who desires to be all that you need in your time of need? By his presence, the Holy Spirit comes and he comforts us in our troubles. I think as many Christians, I'd say this, I said this first service, I want to say it again. I think many of us need to regain a confidence in the presence of God. That a faith would stir up within us. 
For some of us, maybe it's a new thing. Maybe it's something you've never even walked out before. But just something would rise up within you. Kind of just a confidence that says, you know, I believe that God is here. And I believe that in my trouble, that God is here to comfort me with all comfort. And that I can right now talk to the Lord. And I can believe that He is listening, but that He is also speaking to me. And I can listen to Him and I can respond to Him. As if He's actually in the room. Actually with us. Actually in this place. That we could cast all of our cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for us. Because He cares for us. I hang out with a lot of Christians, and sometimes Christians are the most depressing people to be around. But God is with you. I get it, it's hard. Sometimes life sucks. I get that. There are bad days, and then, wow, I thought that was a bad day, but this is a bad day. And this bad day was all capital letters, but this one's even worse, so now I'm putting explanation points on this bad day. I get it. But God is with you. Right there, in the thick of it, in the mess of it. It's an abiding, close, intimate, comforting relationship. Sometimes, I, it's just like we, we see God and we're like Bette Midler, right? God, you know, watching us from a distance. And God, if I'm just going to shoot a bunch of arrows up there. You're like, these are my prayer requests. And God, I'm just going to try to get them to you. I'm, I'm not succeeding over there, so now I'm going to shoot over here, and I'm going to shoot over there. Have you ever done that? You try everything you've ever tried just to try to get to God, and maybe this will work, and maybe this book will work, maybe this secret will work, and then we get there, and now, okay, that prayer got to him, and now hopefully, maybe if I'm lucky, and if I, and if I had the right Chinese fortune cookie, God will respond to my prayers, right? A distant God who maybe, just maybe, might respond. But as followers of Christ, we go through hardships, we go through pain. But I hope we can receive this truth today, that we serve a triune God who is not a distant God, but he's a loving, personal God of eternal relationship who invites us into that relationship now. Not when we die, now. Giving us his divine power, now. Not just when we're in heaven, but now. Giving us what we need, now. Not just when we're, we're, we're on, on to the next leg of the journey and on to the mysteries of eternity, that now he is giving us everything we need right now to live and to just express the life that he's given us in the way that he's called us and destined us and created us to express that life right now. He has given us what we need all by the presence of God and abiding presence of love, joy, and peace. That's the communion that we have with the Lord. At 1 Corinthians 6, sometimes we just have to forget whole sections of the Bible to try to just say that Christianity is just this intellectual endeavor where we just kind of know the right answers and we just kind of discover him with these intellectual truths. We have to just throw out tons of scripture because that isn't what Christianity is about. Christianity, 1 Corinthians 6, it says, but the person who is joined to the Lord, not the person who just knows all the right answers about the Lord, but the one who is joined to the Lord, the one who has Jesus in their life. What does it say? It says that person is one spirit with him. And yet if I interviewed Christians, how many wouldn't even know? Wouldn't even know that was a part of the gig. But being a Christian is to be one with the Lord. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, church. You know who lives? Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So that means right now, 12.11, I'm joined with the Lord. I'm one spirit with him. 
I no longer live. Christ lives in me. These aren't just poetic words. This is the truth of who we are as new creations. The Holy Spirit has taken residence within me. 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So where does the divine presence of God, the Holy of Holies, dwell? Where is it now? It's in us. It's in us. You don't have to go to Israel to find the Holy of Holies, the divine presence of God. It dwells richly within us. I am living with Christ in me. But not only that, Paul says there's this mystery that, yeah, Christ is in me, but I'm also in Christ. He says I'm hidden in Christ. He says I'm clothed with Christ. The presence of God, where I go, he is. And where I go, he is. That means I'm not on some spiritual quest or journey where I'm just kind of all alone and I got a stick in a rock and without any help, I'm just going to try my best to find God. Instead, he has already found me out of his great love for me. He found me. And if I believe in him, if I receive him, if I invite him and accept him into my life, I never journey alone. I walk step by step right now in the eternal life, in the eternal relationship and fellowship with God, an eternal relationship of freedom, light, love, joy, and peace that is only found in the divine presence of God. I want that for you. Because you have a hard life to live. There's some things that are just too painful to even think about, right? There's an aggressiveness to life. There's an ugliness to life. But there is beauty in the presence of God. That nothing will shake me. I will not be shaken. I have God on my side. If God is for me, then who could be against me? Even what you meant for evil, the Lord will turn it for my good. Do we believe the Lord is near? Giving us what we need right now. Just two things before we leave. First thing is this. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never believed in his death for your sins, if you've never believed in his resurrection, which gives you the hope of resurrection like we sang about, then the, the terrible news, the tragic news of today is your sins are not forgiven. Your sins separate you from a holy God. There will be payment for your sins. There will be judgment for your sins. There has to be a price to be paid for your sins. He is a just God. And without receiving the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins, you will never be in a relationship with God. In fact, you will actually spend eternity without that relationship with God. And yet, the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth and 206 billion stars, he tells us in his words, all have sinned, every one of us sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can, right now, in this moment, say yes to the gift of God, to the gift of his grace that is found in Jesus Christ. His death, we believe, his death is powerful enough to be the payment for your sin. And not just one sin, not just two sins, but all the sins. That he'd even remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. And he would give you, right now, eternal life. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For it's in your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess by faith, your faith, 
and you are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, including you. Anyone today in this moment, if not for the person to your left, not for the person to your right, but you, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you've never believed in Jesus, if you're like, what are you talking about? The divine presence of God with me and relationship with God. I am telling you, out of God's grace, that is what you can leave this room with today. You do not have to leave here the same. I didn't know if you knew that. That's what Christianity is. And whatever you saw on Facebook or Twitter, that ain't Christianity. Christianity is right now experiencing eternal peace, eternal love, and eternal life that is found in knowing God and being found in His presence. Number two, anyone here who has professed Jesus as Lord and Savior and yet you still follow Him as if He is a distant God instead of being close? If your thoughts about Him are more that He is aloof and indifferent instead of near and comforting, if He's more far away than being inside, just in the spirit of His grace, it's time for a recalibration. And, and there's hope for that today. There's room for that today. It's time for you to once again have an activation of your faith. A faith that says, I believe. I believe in you, God. I believe. If you're a Christian here, remember, he has already revealed himself to you. He initiated the conversation. He initiated the relationship. He has already made himself known to you through his creation, through his holy word, by his spirit, through his son. And for some of us who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, we just need to stop what we're doing. Stop what we're doing. And instead, in humility, fully embrace the relationship that he's called us to in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, I believe there's a great hope in heaven and all those things. There's a great hope for tomorrow. But he's not just my hope for tomorrow. Jesus is my hope for today. You know why I got out of bed this morning? Because Jesus is alive. He's alive. I'm preaching when I shouldn't be preaching because I just had vocal surgery. Why? Because Jesus is alive. And I love following Jesus. And if you are following Jesus, and yet you're just confused, like I don't even know what it means to follow Jesus. presence invites you back into relationship once again today. I believe that. He's just inviting us back into relationship again today. John 16, 33. I love that you shared that today. He says, in this world you love trouble. Jesus is speaking this to people that he adores. I mean, he loves these guys. These are his disciples. And he says, hey, disciple, you whom I love, in this world you're going to have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. But I love it. I love it. Because he doesn't pretend that nothing bad's ever going to happen. Right? He doesn't just lie to them and say every person on earth can just marry to the perfect spouse and the perfect house and the perfect kids and the perfect dog who doesn't chew up your slippers. You know, just perfect, perfect, perfect. He actually says, no, you know what? I love you. And because I love you, I just want you to know in this world you will have trouble. But look at that verse. And it's sandwiched. I mean, this is beautiful. It is sandwiched between incredible promises of God. 
not a God who's distant, not a God where you have to shoot the arrows, not a God who's aloof and indifferent, not a God who doesn't care about your anxieties, not a God who doesn't have compassion for you in your time of need. No, look at what Jesus says. This is the heart of God for you. He says, I've told you these things, people who I love, my disciples, those who I want to be with. He goes, I said this because in me you can have peace. I said these things because you, in the name of Jesus, can have peace. You're going to have trouble. But take heart. Take heart. Because I, Jesus Christ, I don't, you probably didn't take classes, but I, Jesus of Nazareth, I have overcome the world. In the presence of God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we have peace and we can take heart. Yeah, there's going to be trouble. But in the midst of the trouble, in the chaos, I mean, just think about it. Some of your days, you are going through your day and everything is going wrong. But in the midst of that, you can have peace in the mighty name of Jesus. In fact, in that moment, when everything is going against you, your best friends are turning against you, you can say, you know what, but I'm encouraged. Re- re- remarkable enough, I'm actually encouraged. Because I believe that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is overcoming this world. That he is actually coming back, returning, setting everything right. I believe in that. I believe that his blood was powerful enough to save me, but also to save you. And even though you're being a jerk to me right now, I believe in God who saved me. Don't you just love that confidence that can rise up within us as Christians, that God is with me, the Lord is near, and the peace that passes understanding is guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I have the love of God, not that I loved him, but that he loved me, and is with me, and abiding with me, and walking with me, and helping me, and comforting me, and giving me all that I need. I'm not lacking in any area. And I got a joy, and I do bad dancing just because I love Jesus so much. That's who he is. That's what he wants for you. He didn't die just so you'd get to heaven. If that was the case, the minute you said yes to Jesus, you'd go, whoop. Right? If it was just about heaven, then whoop. But instead, there's a life that he's called you to. A life. I will never get to stay back, church. I will never get, when I was 36 back or 35 back, stop waiting for tomorrow to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live for the Lord. It is time for joy. It is time for celebration in the midst of the mess and chaos and even the evil that surrounds you. Your God is good and he cares for you and he loves you and he has a plan for you. He has destinies and dreams and visions for your life. And do not wait for tomorrow to walk into the goodness of the presence of God. God, you're so good. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I just, you know, I'm looking at these people and I'm just thinking about some of their stories and the way their hearts have been broken and some of their lives have just been aggressively attacked by by people and and churches and, and families and husbands and wives. And, and Lord, I just see the woundedness in this service right now, Lord. But Lord, would you remind them that nothing could separate them from the love of God that is found in your son, Jesus Christ. Nothing, no one, there's no enemy that could take them away, could snatch them out of your hands, Lord. Would you remind this group of people, this precious, beautiful, holy, divinely inspired and saved people of God, would you remind them right now that you're breathing your very presence on them and that you're revealing your will to them, God, that you're revealing divine destinies, you're revealing things that you planned before the foundations of this world, advanced good works for them to do, God, and that they would no longer use the excuses of others not to rise up 
by the divine presence of God that dwells within them to rise up and to be champions for the kingdom of God, to be voices for the kingdom of God, to be ambassadors of reconciliation, that our God did not want to see us perish. He did not want to see us lost, but he sent his son, his very son to die, that we might be reconciled back into right relationship with you, God, where sin had torn it apart, Lord. You, by your love, has brought us back together. And now we do not walk out of here alone just trying to make it through life, just trying to make it till we die and go to heaven. But you died, Lord, so that we might live, 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 live the abundant life, the joy-filled life, the life of your presence, the life of your love, your joy, and your peace. God, wake us up. Wake us up, Lord. Wake us up, God. Wake us up that there's a freshness that you want to bring into our lives today. A freshness. Your spirit is beautiful in the way it washes things away. Your spirit is beautiful as a wind as it blows things away. That even if we came in here heavy, even if we came in here addicted, even if we came in here chasing darkness more than the light, that by your presence you can fill us once again, invade us with your light and the darkness would have to flee. We thank you for that, Jesus. I pray that that isn't for everyone, but there's a couple people in this room that need a baptism of your spirit. They know the right answers. They know about you, but they do not know you, Lord. And I pray right now a baptism of your Holy Spirit that they might say yes to you, God. And if that's you, just say yes to the Lord in your heart. Just say, God, I want you. I want all of you. I want the gifts and the, and the talents and the resources. And I want the strength and the power and the boldness. I want it all, Lord. I don't want to just know about you, but I want to know you. Say yes to him, and he is faithful to come in and flood you with his presence, flood you with his power, setting you on a course for ministry, setting you on a course to be a light, to shine the light of his kingdom to a world who is in desperate need for a savior. Lord, again, that isn't for everyone, but that's for a couple people who need a radical change, who need to be radically shaken by your kingdom, God, and by your purposes and your plans. And I pray that over them right now, that you might receive the Lord today, receive his spirit today, receive the goodness of him today. Receive the Lord today. Receive the Lord today. Receive the Lord today. Receive the Lord today. I know right now you're thinking about that person that, that's next to you or the person back at home that doesn't know the Lord yet and you're just, man, I wish they were here to receive the Lord. But you know that God loves that person. But you right now, in, in, in just faithfulness and obedience, receive all that God would have for you today so that you would leave this place as a beacon of light, shine the light of Christ. So wherever you don't have peace, we just pray right now that the peace that passes understanding would invade your life. Lord, we pray that over the hearts and minds of your people today, a peace that passes understanding. We pray for a love, Lord, for people who feel unlovely, who feel unworthy, who feel insignificant, who feel just full of shame. Lord, right now that your love, your value, your significance would just flood them in the mighty name of Jesus. Even more, Lord, just even more, Lord, more of your presence. We're fools if we just go through the motions right now. Lord, we expect your presence to move in our lives right now. In the name of Jesus, move. Move, God. Freedom, God. Light. Joy. You, God. Just more of you, God. And Lord, the enemy has tried to convince us that we're alone. I just sense that in such a heavy way this service. That so many people just sitting with hunched shoulders, feeling alone on this earth. And yet you told us 
That when we are with you, God, we are one with you, Lord. We are one with you, Lord. And Lord, whatever the enemy has been speaking over the people in this community, Lord, we just declare in the mighty name of Jesus, enemy be silent, enemy be stilled, storm be stilled. The presence of God goes with you. The divine presence of God lives in you. And by the power of his presence, you will do and see accomplished all that he has called you to do. It is a good life. It is an amazing life. It is an eternal life. 